Church, uh, let's get into the Word of God, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Bibles are under the seats, uh, also on your devices and the screen behind me. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be uh, jumping in this morning. Uh, my name's Todd, I'm one of the pastors here, and today I get to introduce our uh, new uh, teaching series that's going to take us through the fall. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapters 5 through 7, a passage of Scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 1. One day as he, uh, this is Jesus, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. Uh, Jesus had just inaugurated his public ministry and crowds were starting together, starting to listen to him, starting to see uh, what all he was doing and he was doing some incredible things. And as they were coming here in this passage, uh, we see on the mountainside, he began to teach. And that's why this passage of scripture is actually labeled the Sermon on the Mount uh, because of verses one and two and what is taking place there. Uh, in this, he taught what is uh, the longest recorded sermon of Jesus uh, here in these couple of chapters. And if you read it straight through today, uh, it'll take you just about 15 minutes to, to, to read through. It is packed uh, with relevant and challenging teaching. As you read through, you might notice some things and say, oh, I'm familiar with that. Uh, or, oh, I've heard this before. Or, oh, that's, that's where this came from. Uh, but it is packed uh, with, uh, with solid, incredible, a life-giving teaching from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, this is similar to Exodus chapter 19, a passage of scripture that we looked at at uh, the beginning of the worship gathering this morning. In Exodus 19, Moses went up on the mountain to receive instruction from God, and then he was going to relay, he was going to communicate that to the Israelites and how they were to live as God's chosen people, the people of God. Uh, think Ten Commandments. That's what was taking place in Exodus 19. Well, Jesus is greater than Moses. And here he goes up on the mountain and he teaches how we're to live as children of the kingdom, as citizens of the kingdom of God. The disciples in the crowds, uh, they weren't sure what the kingdom of God was all about. They had heard uh, the kingdom of God is near or the kingdom of, of heaven uh, is at hand. They had heard that, but they weren't sure what all uh, that uh, that meant. They weren't sure exactly what that was going to look like. Was that going to look like a, uh, a political uh, 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 revolution? Uh, what does this even mean? And so Jesus' teaching here was, was fresh. It was challenging. It was countercultural. Uh, it was really, truly revolutionary. And we're calling this teaching uh, series uh, through the Sermon on the Mount kingdom life uh, because that's what Jesus is talking about here. He is describing uh, to us what our lives are to look like under his reign. In other words, this is how we're to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, when we look and we read Matthew 5 through 7, we need to be careful not to read it without considering the cross. Because what we see here, uh, the instruction that Jesus gives, what he's describing is not what we are to do, 
or how we are to live in order to earn our way into the kingdom. This isn't what we are to do so that we will be accepted by God. No, no, no. Jesus went to the cross because we could never do enough. We could never earn acceptance by him by our own works. So the kingdom life that Jesus describes here in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 is rather how we're to live because we have found acceptance by grace through faith. So because Jesus perfectly lived this out, because he embodied this teaching to the T, because he did that and because he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, we can be forgiven, we can be accepted into the kingdom, and then this is how we live in response because we now are children of God. We talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven here. And and there's an already not yet aspect to the kingdom of God. It's, It's both present and its future. So we're getting a little bit of a taste of it right now as we live uh, as, as children of God. We get a little taste of it now, but we know that it's not yet fully realized. We, we, we know uh, that, that, that we're still in a broken world. We know that while our sins have been forgiven, we continue to struggle with sin. We know that while we, we have been adopted as God's children, we know that we're not yet living with him in a perfect paradise. And so there's this already not yet aspect to the kingdom. God, the Holy Spirit is present in the already. And what we read about here in these instructions on how we're to live, we're, we're, able, we're, able to, we're able to obey this teaching because God the Holy Spirit is active and alive in us in the already, in the present. And so we can build our life on Jesus and live the kingdom life that's described here. Now, before we continue and, and get into the first part of uh, Jesus' teaching here, I want to pose this question. So, here we go. We remember what Jesus did. We, we think a lot about the cross, and we rightly should. Every day we should go to the cross. We, we remember what Jesus did, but are we listening to what he said? Because he did Something incredible. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We remember what he did, but are we listening to what he said? Because Jesus taught us now how we're to live as his children, as his forgiven children. Not just are we nodding like, oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, right on Jesus. Not just nodding without even thinking about it in agreement. But are we really considering what Jesus says here? Are we really thinking about how this applies to our lives? Are we really thinking about how we're living uh, this out? The first people who heard Jesus teach this, if we go to the end of chapter 7, it says that they were amazed at his teaching. So my prayer, our prayer here is that 
that we too would be astonished and challenged by what Jesus said here uh, in this Sermon on the Mount. And so before we jump into verse 3, will you please pray with me? Almighty God, we thank you for your word. We believe that it is God-breathed. We believe that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in all righteousness. Almighty God, we thank you for sending Jesus who perfectly lived out this teaching, perfectly lived out righteousness. And made a way for us to be adopted into your family. We thank you for this teaching from Jesus that we are reading today. And we ask you to open our eyes to illuminate the truths here uh, for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So let's continue. We're on the mountainside. Jesus opens his mouth and begins to teach Verse 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, I realize we just read this through, but something that I found in my house uh, needs to be done for something to be communicated clearly is it needs to be repeated. And so Debbie has to repeat a lot of things to me. And we have to repeat a lot of things to our children. And so, yes, we just read this, but we're going to repeat it. We're going to read it again. And think about each one as we go through here. Verse 4, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. For they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then we, we, this last one is expanded upon in verse 11. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Attitude. Uh, this is what we're reading about here. Some, some attitudes that children of the kingdom of God are to have. Uh, these are often called the beatitudes, and that comes from the Latin word for blessed, which is beatus. Uh, and what we see over and over again in this passage is God blesses those who, God blesses those who, God blesses those who. And what this means is that these people who are poor in spirit, who mourn, who, who are humble, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, these people have God's blessing, God's approval upon them. And, and think about it like this. 
Those who are poor in spirit are, are in a real relationship with God. He's accepted them. They're accepted in his family. Uh, those who hunger and thirst for justice, they, they have God's acceptance. They are in a relationship with him. His blessing is on them. So this is describing people who are in relationship with God, sons and daughters of the king. Uh, we're going to walk through each of these now again, uh, repetition, repetition, repetition. We're going to walk through each of these and just uh, for just a moment considering each one and what it might look like in our lives, what it looks like today, where we see it. And the challenge I have for you is to, 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 to pick out one that stands out to you. And it might stand out to you for a couple of reasons. Uh, one reason that one of these might really stand out and jump out to you is because you, you really see it being lived out by someone. You, you see it being lived out and you're like, wow, God is really shining in that person in this way. Uh, another reason that one of these might stick out to you is because you're feeling challenged. Because you're like, oh, that's a real struggle for me. I've really been uh, tripping up in this area. And so it sticks out because you feel challenged to grow in a, particular, with a, in a particular attitude here that Jesus teaches about. So uh, the first one is poor in spirit. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Some translations, poor in spirit. And, and what that's talking about is recognizing need for God's help. Um, a person who is poor in spirit realizes that, spiritually speaking, they are bankrupt. They have nothing to bring to the table. Their, their pockets are, are empty. Um, uh, county fair and uh, kids uh, want to get on a ride, and they realize, oh, my pockets are empty. I need mom or dad to give me some money to jump on a ride. I need someone else's help. And those who are poor in spirit realize that, wow, I'm a sinner, and I've fallen short of God's standard. I need his help. Uh, so those who are poor in spirit, there's no room for pride. There's no room to be proud or to boast about how good we are because we realize just how weak we are and how much we need a loving Savior. God blesses those who mourn. Uh, they will be comforted. Right now, we might get a little comfort in this already stage of the kingdom of God, but we know that ultimately we will be comforted. We'll be in a place where, there's no more, where there are no more tears and no more death. But God blesses those who mourn. And, and what we're thinking about here is, is a sadness or a grief over the brokenness in the world. A person who, who mourns, looks around, and checks out the world news, and their heart hurts because of the hatred, uh, because of the wickedness that, that's still taking place, that's still going on. Uh, a person who mourns, considers uh, sickness and death, and they're not apathetic towards it and just move on and they're not shaken, but sometimes they shed tears. And it's okay to shed tears. Uh, it's okay to be sad because we are still living in a broken world. Uh, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. With this humble or this humility, we're thinking about a desire to see others go first. It's, humility is not 
to think less of yourself. It's not to put yourself down and say, oh, I'm no good. I'm just a nobody. I'm awful. I'm a, I'm a wreck. Humility is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less because you're thinking of other people. And so a person who's humble wants to see others get their way. A person who's humble wants to see others go first. You know, Jesus said the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. A person who's, who's humble is, is as Philippians 2-3 describes, uh, they, they do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility they consider others better than themselves. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is about having a longing for God's will to be done, to really desire God's will to be done uh, on earth, around us, in our community. It's also a a desire to, to grow in righteousness and for God's will to be done in us. Uh, for, for, for us to, to have a, a life uh, uh, that pleases him, that's in conformity to God's will. And so we're really longing for that. We're hungering for that. We're desiring that. It means we're, we're probably thinking about it. If we're hungering and thirsting for this and longing for it, we're thinking about it. We're praying about it. We are chasing it. If you hunger and thirst, if you really desire uh, something in life, you know, chase your dreams. Well, that's what we do. We chase it. We go after it. We, 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 we get an education that allows us to pursue that dream. We take steps, uh, small steps, action steps to get us where we want to be if it's something that we really desire. Are we hungering and thirsting? Are we really desiring and taking steps towards righteousness, towards justice. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. With this, we're thinking about showing kindness and forgiveness. I know those that are around me, I need their kindness and forgiveness on a regular basis uh, because, because we mess up, because we're imperfect. I need forgiveness from those around me. I need kindness to, to boost me, to pick me up from those around me. You can look in your different contexts and you can see folks who, they need some kindness. They're in a bad spot right now. They may be hurting right now. God blesses those who are merciful and are thinking about those other individuals around them and thinking, how can I show kindness to them? God blesses those who are looking around them, maybe those that they've been hurt by, and how can I... Show forgiveness, extend forgiveness to them. We read on. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. And your mind may go to Psalm 51.10, and this is a prayer that David prayed, a prayer of repentance. And in Psalm 51.10, David prayed, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, give me integrity. Let me not be two-faced. Let me not be something around others and and dark and and wicked and and sinful when I'm by myself. But having a pure heart is about having integrity in all areas of our life. No matter who we're with, if we're with our buddies, 
if we're with our, our, our uh, co-workers, if we're with our family, uh, we're the same person. We're not hiding something. We're not keeping secrets. But we have integrity in all areas of lives of, of our life. And then we read, God blesses those who work for peace. Uh, a person who works for peace is promoting peace in all situations. And, and here's the reality is we have conflict in our homes. In my home, there's conflict. We have, we have conflict from time to time. We're having to work things out. Uh, sometimes in our neighborhoods and with our neighbors, uh, we have some conflict because of what one property owner does and uh, what another one doesn't want them to do. There's conflict in our neighborhoods and on our streets. Uh, we have conflict in, in, in our workplace. Uh, we have conflict in our schools, students. Uh, when folks are gossiping about someone else or, or, or not, not, not hanging out with someone and, and, and there's conflict, there's, there's, a, there's a break in the relationship there. In work situations where those meetings get really tense and really hot, God blesses those who work for peace in all situations. And then we get to the eighth one. And this eighth one really is a result of the other seven. So these first seven, if we are pursuing righteousness, if, if we are merciful, if we are poor in spirit, well, then this eighth one is going to be happening. And if this eighth one's not happening, it may mean because we're not living out those other attitudes that Jesus describes here. The eighth one is God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. And with this, we're thinking about being wrongly treated because of faith. 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. And we can think about uh, the persecution, which is very real in some parts of the world uh, where maybe there's not religious freedom. But there's also persecution, uh, and that might be, mean uh, a person who's a follower of Jesus Christ and their family that, 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 that laughs at them because, hey, they are taking Christ seriously, uh, or, 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 or other associates and other peers who say, oh, uh, you know, discount you because you have a pure heart and you have integrity in a certain area and you, you, you might not go along with another way of thinking. And so this, this persecution can, can look a lot of different ways, and Jesus describes it there, mock you, persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of evil things about you. And if we're living out these other seven, well, there's going to be some friction. There's going to be some uh, uh, rubbing against the world that we live in that's going to take place. So that's the list. We've walked through it. We've repeated it now several times this morning. And so the question I've got with this as, we, as we've um, gone through those is, is to refer back to that, that, that question I asked, which of these stands out to you? Uh, which one of these stands out to you that you're seeing really lived out by someone else and you're able to praise God for it? Or it stands out to you because you see, ah, this is a weakness. This is a struggle I have. And you, and you desire to grow in this area. You desire to make some changes. And so the question is, what are you going to do about it? There's a good chance <laughs> that I might not do anything about it because I forget all the time 
if I have something to do during the week, if I don't write it down in my weekly, on my weekly, in my weekly notebook, if I don't uh, put it on, in the calendar on my phone, odds are it's not going to get done by the end of the week. I'm going to completely miss it because I'm going to forget about it. And so when we say, which of these is God, you know, really pointing out to us, what are you going to do about it? Well, there's a, there's a chance that you're going to be like me and you're going to forget and you're going to do nothing about it. And so just a little bit of encouragement that I got for you is, hey, write it down right now. That connect card that's in front of you, write down the, 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 the merciful or the, the humble or the peacemaker. Write down the one that's standing out to you. Uh, and, and, and that'll be something then you've thought about it, you've written it down, you've read what you wrote down, and so that might help it stick a little bit. But write it down and then say, and then think about what you're going to do about it. And it may be if, if you've seen someone live this out, that you're going to let them know, like, man, it is awesome to see God shine through you. Uh, maybe if it's an area that you want to grow in, that, 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 that you write it down and you begin to pray about it. Maybe you share with someone close to you and say, hey, I really need to grow in this area. Will you help encourage me and hold me accountable to this? So write that down or, or type it in on your phone right now so it help you remember it. Now we get into the last part that we're going to look at today, uh, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Uh, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What possible impact could the people described in the Beatitudes exert in this hard, tough world? What lasting good can the poor and the humble do, the mourners and the merciful, those who seek peace and not war? What would they would they not be overwhelmed by the flood of evil around them? What can they accomplish whose only passion is righteousness and whose only weapon is purity of heart? Are not such people too feeble to achieve anything? Jesus doesn't share that skepticism. As this passage demonstrates, he expects his children, citizens of the kingdom, to have profound impact on those around them. Living the kingdom life means an impact in this world. This isn't some uh, potato soup spirituality that makes us feel warm and fuzzy on the inside, uh, but, but makes results in no change. Uh, living the life the way Jesus teaches us to makes an impact on the people and the world around us. It will be different, and it will stand out, and it will influence because attitude leads to impact. The attitude of citizens of the kingdom of God leads to impact in the world around them and to the world around them. Jesus uses two simple illustrations to make this point. We're just going to point them out. Uh, they're pretty obvious. They're pretty practical. The first is salt. Uh, salt is a preservative, and it adds flavor. Pass the salt, right? That's what we hear. Pass the salt. We want it to have an impact on our food. Uh, it impacts whatever it comes into contact with. My favorite seasoning is actually Cavender's, uh, uh, but uh, whatever your flavor is. 
And then the, then the second illustration that Jesus gives, again, very simple, very obvious, light. Well, light shines in the darkness. When light is, is turned on, comes on, it has an impact in its context uh, because it just takes away the darkness, illuminates the room where it is. So what kind of an impact are you having in your context? And when I say context, uh, what we're talking about is what kind of an impact? How are you being salt and light in your home? How are you being salt and light among your neighbors? Uh, students, how are you being salt and light in your school? How are you being salt and light in your workplace? Because an attitude, merciful, humble, pure heart, mourning, poor in spirit, an attitude leads to impact. An attitude leads to being salt and light. We're talking about the ordinariness of everyday life with this. And so to think about what kind of impact am I having, I would just go back through the list. That's, that's what I'm doing in my personal life as I'm trying to grow and I desire for my life to be conformed more to the image of Christ Jesus. I'm going back through the list and I'm looking at that and I'm saying, how am I living out this, this need for God's help, this, this poor spirit in my context, in, in, my, in the home? Or am I being prideful in my home? In that context, how am, I, how am I living out? How am I uh, grieving, mourning uh, in this context when I see wickedness or injustice going on? I'm looking at the conflict that's in different places and I'm saying, how am I working for peace in that work meeting where it gets tense and accusations get thrown out? Am I reacting in that way or am I staying calm? Am I able to be level-headed and help two sides come together? And so I just look at the list and I consider how that attitude is being lived out where I'm at. And that's the answer to the question, what kind of impact are you having? How are you being salt and light? That's where we find the answer because attitude leads to impact. Uh, Jesus gave his hearers the options to follow. When Jesus went up on the mountainside and he began to teach this new, fresh, revolutionary, kingdom life sermon. He gave an invitation for all those that were there to follow him. And the same invitation stands for all of us today that are listening to what Jesus had to say. The same invitation's there for us. We can choose to follow. And so as we get to this point in the sermon, I'm going to encourage you to choose to follow King Jesus. Say, hey, I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. So I'm, I'm believing in God's goodness that he sent Jesus as my Savior. And I'm putting my trust in him because my pockets are empty. I'm spiritually bankrupt. And so I'm putting my trust in him and King Jesus. I want to be a part of this kingdom of heaven. I encourage you to respond and to follow Jesus and to say, okay, Jesus, this is what you said it looks like to live as your child. This is what you said it looks like to live as your son and daughter. God, give me a pure heart. 
a steadfast spirit. God, break my heart over the hate and the sin in our world. Break my heart over my own sin. You have an invitation to follow <laughs> and say, God, as I, I look at what you say about uh, living as your child, help me to, to show kindness and forgiveness to those that are in my home, first place, that live next door to me, second place, that I see every day at school or work, and I know they're going through stuff, I know they're hurting, I know they've been mistreated. Help me to show kindness and forgiveness to them. We have an invitation to follow Jesus. Um, ways to respond here. You can take action first off, of course. And then uh, maybe one of those attitudes stood out to you. Write it on your connection card, on that connect card. Write that attitude down. Drop it in the box on your way out. Hey, we're going to be praying for you that God will help you grow in that area, that, that you'll see change in that area. And so write that down on the connect card. And also you can talk to one of our friends in the connect corner that are in the back of this room after the worship gathering. If you want to just talk to somebody today, if you just want to pray with someone today. And so... Um, Kingdom life, what Jesus had to say for us, to us. Uh, let's pray right now. Father in heaven, thank you for this word. Thank you for your son, our savior, and his words of life. Holy Spirit, we're relying on you to illuminate to open our eyes and our hearts to see uh, the truths here. We're relying on you to work in us. <laughs> and we know you're not done with us. We're relying on you, Holy Spirit, to work in us and to continue to change us and help us grow uh, so that we would reflect this kingdom life better and better. In the name of Jesus, amen.